Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, and you're very welcome to this installment of Inside Story, the Irish Times podcast, which aims to go behind the scenes a bit uh, with our journalists to figure out what they're writing about and how they came to write the stories which are appearing in the newspaper and on the website. I'm joined today by Simon Carswell. And Simon, you've been working on a story which is very much of the moment. Uh, We hear so much about Brexit at the moment and about the negotiations about it, particularly as they pertain to the border on this island and the future of the constitutional structures on this island. And you've been taking a few trips up to border country to talk to some people who were involved at one stage or another in their lives in the Republican armed struggle? Yeah, we looked at in particular, we've been looking at Brexit in the last couple of weeks um, and just how it's how it's affecting the border counties. Um, and I looked, I went up a couple of weeks ago to, to speak to people in Cross McGlen, very much an economic story about how people are going to um, survive if there is a hard border, be it, you know, customs officials checking cars or if there is checkpoints or something more significant where people's day-to-day lives are affected. And a lot of people up there, obviously, they cross the border so many times in the course of their day that they often don't realise that the border exists anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's all changed there in the last 15 years. And one of the things we wanted to look at is, well, what about uh, the former men of violence, these, these lifelong Republican uh, former IRA men who would have fought in these kind of border regions, uh, who would have been very active in the Republican campaign, the IRA's campaign uh, against British rule, against the British military in these small country roads. And I decided to seek out a few of them to get their view as to what they thought would happen next in Brexit. And what their fears were. Uh, I spoke to four individuals. I spoke to Tommy McCarney, who's an IRA volunteer. He's originally from Moy in County Tyrone, but he lives in Monaghan now. Uh, he was sentenced to life for uh, killing a part-time UDR soldier in 1976. Uh, and his family are very uh, prominent um, in the Republican movement. He lost three of, three of his brothers. Uh, one brother, Jim Lina, uh, sorry, uh, Parik McCarney, was um, uh, was killed at Loch Gull by the SAS. And he was one of eight um, IRA men who was killed in, in that attack in 1987 when they tried to bomb a local RUC station. Um, and the other person I spoke to is also from Monaghan's uh, Colin Lina and his brother uh, Jim was also killed in the attack on Loch Gaul. Uh, another Republican I spoke to is Jerry McGill who uh, describes himself as a traditional Republican um, and he served time in US, uh, German and Irish prisons as well. And the fourth person I spoke to um, was Anthony McIntyre who served uh, time in prison prison, 18 years in prison for uh, the killing of, of, of a UVF. Well, you mentioned Jerry McGill there. We have a little bit of audio. This is you talking to him. Brexit happened last year. Tell me how you voted. Well, from my perspective as an Irish Republican and nationalist, uh, Brexit is the gift that just keeps on giving. Now, I voted for Brexit precisely because I felt that it would bring about a constitutional crisis within the so-called United Kingdom. It's my hope that by voting for Brexit, we would see the so-called constituent parts of the United Kingdom begin to pull apart from one another. And as a consequence of that, we would see what we have struggled for all our lives, namely a United Ireland, come about by by default in a sense. Uh, Are you fearful that if Brexit isn't handled properly, if there's a hard border? 
could we see a return to the tensions that we saw at the height of the Troubles? Well, obviously, we don't want to see a return to the bloodshed of, of, of years gone by. And it's up to us, the onus is on all of us, to use our influence to see to it that that, happen, that doesn't happen. Britain, I don't believe, is heading into any kind of a glory day or return of the empire. And there's no reason why we in, in this part of Ireland should sink with them. So it's imperative that uh, we, we, we come, we accept that reality and get moving now, do something, do what has to be done constructively to bring about uh, United Ireland. And that applies to everybody and every political party on this island. Okay, Simon, that's a that's an interesting approach to Brexit, to vote in favour of Brexit in order to destroy the United Kingdom. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's at odds with Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin were against Brexit um, and they saw it uh, as, you know, being disruptive to the North and um, and it's a very different view for uh, one of these dissenting Republicans to come out and say, I voted for Brexit because it would lead to the disintegration of the United Kingdom. I mean, a lot of these Republicans who who, um, voted for Brexit saw it as kind of England's difficulty as Ireland's opportunity, old-style kind of approach to this and uh, they see it very much as well, it's going to look what happens with Scotland if they get their second vote for independence, what that might mean for Northern Ireland. And they, uh, the, the Republicans that I spoke to, they're very much of the view that partition hasn't been a part of people's lives for a very, very long time. And then suddenly uh, this decision taken against the democratic wishes of the majority in Northern Ireland who wanted to remain in the EU are getting pulled out of the EU. And then this is an opportunity to start this debate in the North um, and to create what they hope would be this kind of post-sectarian debate where you might bring in unionists, you might bring in soft nationalists, you might bring in Republicans uh, and to get them talking and thinking about, well, do we want to be in Europe? And if that's the case, is the way into Europe um, to remain, uh, to, to reunify Ireland and to go in uh, through the back door, so to speak, with it, to United Ireland? Now, it's important to reiterate that, as you said already, these are not dissident Republicans, i.e. they're not involved with any of the splinter organisations which still occasionally attempt act, acts of violence in Northern Ireland, they, uh, they 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 simply are not in agreement with the Sinn Féin position on the, on the future path. For and very much supporters of the peace process. And are supporters of the peace process. And that's important, I think, because one of the things that comes out of your interviews with them is there really seems to be a pretty strongly held belief um, from from all of them that that the spectre which has been held up to us of, of, the, of Brexit, meaning the reintroduction of a very hard border, reintroducing the potential for conflict and that's come both from the political establishment here I've also seen it and there was a very powerful piece by the writer Owen McNamee a couple of weeks ago you know remembering what a grim experience the border was for those for those who lived near, near it during the troubles none of these people seem to believe that that any of that sort is anything of that sort is going to happen no they don't see there being any kind of appetite for a renewed armed struggle after 25 years of fighting and you know, a lot of suffering a lot of bloodshed a lot of loss of life they don't see the ingredients being there for any kind of uh, political pressure that may lead to violence. Um, and Anthony McIntyre in particular pointed out that, well, if you look at why um, the violence started, why the troubles be- uh, began and why the provisional IRA came into being, it was because of uh, the situation in Derry and Belfast. It wasn't per se about the border. Um, and also, uh, you know, Tommy McCarney and Colin Lynham wrote the view as well. Well, the reason that they got involved initially was this anti Catholic discrimination, the economic inequality that existed in the North. And we've seen uh, that that's not in existence anymore. So those, uh, those tensions that existed in the late 60s and early 70s really aren't there. And I was struck by what they were saying about, well, we don't necessarily see this, uh, the fact that, you know, there might be customs officials on the border or there might be an, um, a 
annoyance to local people if they're going to be stopped and checked, although they think, you know, that that's not going to happen. They think that the British Army, just like Republicans, don't want to see a return to the Troubles, don't want to create a situation where you would find, uh, you know, reason for, for people to mount attacks. And they're also saying that, OK, there are dissidents and you can't, uh, you can't say uh, there won't be any kind of violence. There may be some people reacting or there may be somebody might take um, a pot shot, as one of them said to me, against a customs official, but they just can't see anything like the campaign, like the provisional IRA ran over that quarter century. Because, I mean, we're all from, at least I'm, I'm old enough to remember, you know, going across the border and the, you know, the, the armed checkpoints on the hills and the, the helicopters overhead and the soldiers and the guns and all that. And presumably any form of border checkpoint offers a potential soft target for the remaining dissidents into Republican groups. Well, it does. And I think the PSNI, the, 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 the police um, and union up in the north have come out and said, like, you know, this would just be a disaster. It'd be a retrograde step. It would create uh, sitting uh, sitting ducks and targets for uh, these kind of groups or this kind of feeling. Um, and the other thing that the Republicans that I spoke to had said was they see often, you know, this, this claim that the peace process is at risk is a very powerful ploy or tool to actually uh, to, to produce and to, to, in an effort to kind of put Ireland further up um, the agenda when it comes to the Brexit negotiations. And it's worked. I mean, it's some clever backroom dealings by um, the Irish government, by Irish diplomats, to put pressure on the UK, to put pressure on European officials to, uh, to make them realise that this is a risk, even though the, the Republicans themselves who would have been involved in this struggle, uh, this armed conflict, they themselves don't see it. So, But it has worked. If you look at Theresa May's statement in the Article 50 letter, if you look at the responding, uh, the response of the European Council President, Donald Tusk, they have said, you know, we don't want to return to a hard border. We want, we recognise the importance of protecting the peace process. So it's worked in many respects. But on the ground, people feel that this is, this, this is their a reaction, cheap shot. Yeah, and their reaction to it is, is sort of interesting. They, they, they almost resent this, this implication. They, they, they seem to feel that there are these, you know, these dark malevolent forces which are just undercover, you know, that could could emerge in some sense. And they see that almost as a as an aspersion being cast on their society. Yeah, I mean, they say By it their is. society, I mean, the society of the you know the borderlands of Monaghan, Tyrone, or Yeah, they they see they see them being painted these kind of lawless uh, lawless border people who are have a kind of pathological predisposition to violence, and that well, as soon as they see kind of customs posts, they are going to rush out and take up arms and uh, and 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 start a whole new uh, campaign of violence. Um, and that's not the case. And there is column line in particular expressed frustration that you know. That's that's just not the case. That you know the, the and and Colin Lina and, and Tommy McCartney are very articulate in what they feel is the bigger problem is that they feel the border counties have been neglected and it's not just. Um, it's not just a UK issue. It's not just a European issue. It's an Irish issue. The fact that these border counties, there is an economic inequality that exists, but it's not down to uh, Britain. It's down to they feel um, Dublin government and also uh, the European Union has has they, they feel left behind by Brussels, and they're particularly uh, angry at what they see as the loss of fiscal independence and loss of economic independence um, after the the banking crash, after the economic crash, and the deal that they feel was forced upon Ireland by Europe with the bank bailouts. So they're in a very they're very interesting position and also they are they are interesting as well because as Republicans but not of Sinn Féin they offer an insight into a potentially different way of thinking from a, from a, from a Republican nationalist perspective about the position of Northern Ireland and they're a bit scathing as well about the way in which Sinn Féin can use these kinds of issues and how perpetual crisis or looming crisis drives the way in which you know Sinn Féin operates the peace process. Yeah and Anthony McIntyre said he said it very well he said the process must always undermine the peace in his views the peace process 
process is dead if you can't throw up this old monster of potential violence. The peace process always has to be broken down or in a state of crisis for it to be protected. So, you know, if there's this whole constant fear that the uh, that the peace process is at risk, it, it it gets you a seat at a very some very important tables. It gets you noticed. Um, um, and he, as he said, a lot of governments, how many governments have been mugged by the peace process? And also he views it as, and it would be very negative on Sinn Féin, he'd see it as part of Sinn Féin's expansionism, this view that, you know, if we're guardians of the peace process, then therefore we always have to be taken so seriously because the loss of uh, return to violence is, is, is so, would be so damaging for the British and the Irish um, that um, they need to be listened to and they need, they, as I say, that seat at the table. Do you think they're right? I think there's an element of that. I mean, I got a sense of that when I was living in the United States. I remember overhearing a conversation between an Irish diplomat and a, an Irish-American congressman, and the diplomat was making the case that things could blow up in the morning here over some one of the latest uh, political crises that was emerging from the North. And I was kind of taken aback by it and kind of going, you know, that, that, that's not the case. I, I don't get any sense of that. And I know in Washington, but even from our own coverage, I, I just got, this, got a feeling that, you know, the importance of actually making Ireland and the Irish peace process such a such a critical issue that it does get you noticed in places like Washington. And I think there was a sense of frustration on the part of the Obama administration, by way of example, that, you know, isn't Ireland fixed? Isn't the Northern Ireland peace process working? Why is this coming back as an issue? And I think you saw this with um, kind of success of St. Patrick's Day events in in Washington, where, you know, the need to be, uh, to continue getting the invite, the need to get these high-level meetings with senior members of the Obama administration, or indeed the president or the vice president. And used to always be played in my view and I'm not sure that the concerns that were raised in Washington uh, reflected the reality on the ground in Northern Ireland. I suppose just finally, um, and it's, it's very interesting listening to these voices, and they and they do have you know subtle nuances and differences between them in 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 their analysis. But it does strike me there's a kind of a contradiction there because on the one hand there's a general kind of a phlegmatic feeling that the troubles aren't going to come back. On the other hand, on the other there is there is a, a certain uh, pleasure or optimism about the uh, the political disarray which may be caused by Brexit, you know, in the, with, for example, the further breakup of, of the United Kingdom, which would undoubtedly have to be destabilising and certainly would at least raise the threat of the of, of return to, to, to violence in Northern Ireland should that come to pass. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was kind of dis- finding myself disagreeing with them in that I don't think there would be anything like the campaign of violence that we saw over that quarter century in the north, but I do think there is the potential for tensions and local tensions to spill over into something more serious, whereby you know a, a, a single kind of isolated incident might have a ripple effect or, or might lead to uh, a broader um, kind of uh, you know anger in the community that may spill over into more violence. But I, I think that they were very much seeing it in the context of what they had been involved in of that conflict and they didn't see themselves going back to that and you know one of them Jeremy Go in particular said you know it's incumbent on all of them you know to, to and a duty on all of them to make sure that there isn't that kind of return to violence but I also think that they see it as an opportunity to start dialogue and to start uh, conversations where uh, even though 
Anthony McIntyre, for example, felt that uh, he felt it was a case of uh, uh, a crass case of economic reductionism to suggest that union unionists would be far better off economically in United Ireland, Ireland. Therefore, they would vote for that. And he I thought he had a very interesting point where he said that you would not get um, the number of unionists voting. Uh, the opposition amongst unionists for United Ireland was greater in his view. Was much stronger. Uh, than much the, much stronger than the desire the, to get rid of the United to get out of the United yeah, Kingdom. Yeah, the nationalists to get out of the United yeah, Kingdom. So I think that you're going to see uh, much more debate around uh, what works best. Is, is, is the North better in, in United Ireland and Europe or is it better in United in the United Kingdom. And when you hear someone like a lifelong Republican like Colin Linus say, you know, you could make, you could as easily argue that maybe Ireland is better off in, in an economic union with the United Kingdom. I mean, that's a, you know, an astonishing statement for, for, for someone um, uh, for someone from it with his background to have made. But I think that's the kind of debate you're going to see. And I think at the moment, there's just so much, so many unknowns out there and that it's an opportunity to, 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 to see all kinds of new debates and hear lots of new opinions um, from some very interesting characters from the past. Yes, indeed, and it is fascinating. You can read Simon's article in uh, this Saturday's Weekend Review in the Irish Times or on irishtimes.com. Simon, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. And that's it for this edition of Inside Story. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon. Remember, you can find us on irishtimes.com slash podcasts or you can subscribe via iTunes or your preferred podcast provider if you're already a subscriber. We are always extremely grateful if you just take a moment to share or recommend the podcast and help to get it to a broader audience. Remember, you can email me at hlinehan at irishtimes.com or find me on Twitter. Uh, But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.